morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and smile and say good morning. It won't hurt you to smile. Lord, as we study a really tough subject today, we ask for grace. We release grace in the room. We release healing. We release, uh, we, we release the bondage of shame to go away and guilt and fear. Do a new work today, Lord, and we'll give you the credit. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're talking about Roe being overturned. I did not want to talk about this. Uh, but I have a job, and my job is to talk about hard things. If you are a parent and you skip talking to your children about hard things, you will hurt them. If you got something going on in your marriage and you won't talk about it, you're going to hurt your marriage. Sometimes things at work, they got to be talked about. They got to be addressed in a gracious way. If you don't, it'll go south. So we're talking about overcoming Roe, and you do not have to agree with me, but we will talk about what's going on in our culture because we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. Now notice uh, we have a birthday as a nation. I am not this old, but our country is. Trivia What number of birthday is Monday for our country? Who said that? Excellent. 246 years. Let's say thank you, Jesus. Uh, At the last service, I said 146. And people went, what? Well, we just missed 100 years at the last service. We want God's blessing for our country, right? I'm sorry. Do we want God's blessing? Well, to get God's blessing, we have to make some hard decisions because the heavenly father has some standards and they're different from our culture. Now, last week, the divine woman, Mrs. Sue Pearson went with me on our anniversary trip We've been married 42 years. I have no idea where a good woman would stay with a rascal like me, but 42 years. And several years ago, we got to talking. After all these anniversaries, we could not remember hardly any of them. I mean, when you pull out a frozen pizza and watch a Western, I mean, that's not real memorable. And so I said, honey, Davy Crockett went to Texas. Let's go to Texas. So we went to Texas for a week and had a good time. Second day I was there in Dallas. I said, I want to see Dealey Plaza. I've never been to Dealey Plaza. So we drove down there. The little museum was closed, but I got out, walked the sidewalk, looked up at the book depository, went to the grassy knoll because American history was made there. November 22nd, 1963. How many remember where were you were? I do. When that, when I got the word, uh, our nation was changed. But what I'm going to talk about today is more important than this. 
I want to put this in perspective. Also, a date in American history, the first landing on the moon, 1969. Wonderful thing, but what we're going to talk about is more important than that. Far more important. We uh, got a hotel on the harbor in Galveston, Texas. I'd never been to Galveston. It's on my bucket list. We had a great time in Galveston. It's a beautiful city. Uh, it's actually an island 30 miles long by 10 miles wide. And we hung out there, had a great time, ate some great seafood. But I knew the story that had happened there because a hurricane came to Galveston, Texas on a Saturday. People went to sleep on a Friday and didn't know what would happen the very next day. This massive hurricane hit Galveston. Now back then, meteorology was pretty primitive. Forecasters were using barometric pressure and the pressure kept dropping, 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 dropping. So they knew a storm was around. They got a telegram from Louisiana saying, big storm just hit us. It's headed your way. About the time the telegraph went down. They didn't know how bad it was. This storm blew away 7,000 buildings. 145 mile an hour wind. The biggest tragedy, that's why it's the greatest tragedy, natural tragedy in American history. 6,000 people perished. 6,000 in about an hour. Whole families. Men never found their wives. Just absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible. After the destruction, when they started cleaning up the wreckage, the city of Galveston said, we got to protect ourselves. So they brought in earth, dirt, and covered the whole area 15 feet higher. And built a seawall around it to protect themselves from the future. Now, this quote from C.S. Lewis really talks about what we're talking about today. Are you ready? C.S. Lewis said this, uh, the truth is the, the history of humanity is a long, terrible, sordid story. Because it seems like mankind throughout history has tried to find everything to find happiness except God. And that's what this talk is about. Now, the reason I felt like we needed to talk about this, you guys need to be informed about what's happening in our nation and how this transpired and a little bit about what this means because uh, you're not going to get a lot of it from our media. But Friday, June 24th, about 10 days ago, history changed in our land and the unjust laws that have been put upon our nation for almost 50 years that permitted innocent children to be killed 
in the womb was Peel Beck. I treasure my children. I treasure my grandchildren. I treasure your children. I treasure children that have no father or no mother. But the devil does not treasure them. Now, if 6,000 people died in about an hour in Galveston, in Vietnam there was a war that went on about nine years and 60,000 men and women from our service died, killed. Many of them are still buried there. American Civil War, 600,000 American, both North and South soldiers died in four years. But we have lost 64 million American citizens quietly under the radar. And maybe that will change. After Friday the 24th, potentially millions of children will be given the chance to have a long life. Have a chance to serve the Lord. A chance to give birth to their own children because of what happened on June 24th. But I want to say the battle is far from over. The battle probably just started. Because the devil is not going to give up ground easily. And there will be a backlash. And it's already happened in the last two days. But we cannot give in to tyranny or fear or lies that are contrary to what the Bible says. Now, on the 24th, out of the nine Supreme Court justices that serve for life, five justices, Alito... Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett all voted five to overturn Roe. I want you to know elections have consequences. Christians must be registered to vote. Christians should never set out an election. Christians should vote biblical values, not party. Now, these four, Roberts, Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan all voted to keep it. You need to know that. Now let's look at the passage that many consider kind of a Christmas passage, but it fits perfectly with what we're talking about today. Everybody got your Bible? Hold your Bible up. Let's see. You got your Bible? Okay. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. I want you to pay attention to a number of words in the passage. Now at that time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city in Judah. So she's been born and raised in Nazareth. So she's going about 75 to 80 miles south. She entered the home of Zacharias, a priest, and greeted the wife, Elizabeth, who is her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the blob of tissue... The can of corn, the Apple iPhone, the watermelon, 
inside her. What does the Bible say was inside the woman? Say it again, please. The what? One more time. The the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Say filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that good? Is that important? Yes. We want as much as we can get. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord, isn't that extraordinary? You see, that little baby inside, that 14-year-old girl, was about this big. The mother of my Lord would come to me, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the what? The baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believes. Do you believe, yes or no? That there would be a fulfillment, underline the word fulfillment, of what the Lord has spoken to her by the Lord. Now, just a couple of points I want to make in this. One is this young woman, Mary, selected by the Holy Spirit to bear the Messiah. She had an unusual blend of heart for God, toughness and humility and obedience. But she was in a tough place. She was engaged to a man And when the man would find out she was pregnant, that would be trouble. She could even be stoned to death in her village. And it's embarrassing. No matter what the angel said, she was in a tough spot. Because to her, and to Joseph, and to the family... And to Nazareth, this was all an unplanned pregnancy as a single woman. Unplanned to Mary, but planned by heaven. That is great. So Mary journeyed. She wanted to get out of town. She probably needed to get out of town. She went south to be with her older cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth had gone decades without a child. And the Lord granted her and Zechariah a child. And when she got to Elizabeth's home, she found some things. She found comfort. Everyone say comfort. Now, when you meet a young person who may be with child in an unfortunate situation, what you need to offer is comfort to them. You need to offer love to them. And you need to offer support to them. And you need to bless them no matter how matter, no matter how much It's a messy, sticky situation. And Elizabeth, the scripture says it plainly, was filled with the Holy Spirit when she and she recognized that Mary was carrying the prophesied one, the king of all kings, God in the flesh, the Messiah, and her baby. What is it? Her baby, who is John the Baptist. He is six months now in his mother's womb. He was filled with the Spirit. And he recognized the presence of the Messiah. This is the most extraordinary, beautiful 
miracle. And I want to shift gears in just a minute. But I want you to see the destiny of these two babies. Elizabeth's baby and Mary's baby was amazing. And here's the point I want to make. Every child that's born in any country under any circumstances has a destiny. If they didn't have a destiny, they wouldn't be on the planet. If the creator didn't choose to give them life, they would not be alive. So therefore, we need to see people that started off wrong. Some people that have no one around them to love. People that come from really broken homes. Even they may be 45 or 50 years of old. We need to still look them in the face and say, you have a destiny. You're alive because God created you. Let's find your purpose. Let's work together. Because God's got a call on your life. And the verse says that there would be fulfilled what was spoken of the Lord. Let's go backward in time. I want to show you how this has kind of played out. Backward in time, January 22nd, 1973, was when the, the court said this is now law in our country. And I want you to know it was radical. It was unexpected. They just took a blanket over a big problem, one size fits all blanket, and they threw it on the entire nation. They didn't even know what they were doing. And these are unelected judges. They changed this country overnight. There's their picture, all nine of them. And I want to make this point. All nine of them today are dead. And when they took their last breath, they faced the creator. And gave an account for what they had done because two said, no, we cannot do this. But seven said this, oh no, it's what our country needs. And these seven men unleashed hell on our nation. Unleashed carnage on our nation. And every person in this room has been touched by this decision in 1973. Dr. James Dobson, a great Christian apologist, said this, when Roe v. Wade was built, it was built on a lie. Complete fabrication. They said somewhere hidden in the Constitution, there existed the right to destroy children in the womb. And this ruling in 1973 shocked the nation, divided the country, and it was an, it was an exercise in complete, raw, judicial over reach. And these seven men did it. Dobson went on to say history will judge it as one of the court's most shameful moments. Roe is now dead and as a result millions of innocent babies will now have a chance to live, be welcomed into the world and be protected by our constitution. Someone say thank you Lord. 
Now here, here's, here, this is stunning. I never knew this. But liberal judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died last year, this is what she said about this. Roe was actually very bad law. And she said it was horrible precedent. She knew it was a, a lie as a, an attorney. Now here, let's just keep moving along in history. Three years ago, 2018, courageous legislators in the state of Mississippi, they passed a legislation. Their legislation says in Mississippi, you guys do what you want to do in California. In Mississippi, we're going to protect every child in the womb once they get past 15 weeks. How significant is 15 weeks? Look on the screen. That is a baby in the womb at 15 weeks. Does that look like a poodle? Does that look like a tire tool? Does that look like a pair of socks? Is it, what does that look like? A baby. Well, as soon as Mississippi passed a law, it was blocked. It was blocked by this federal judge, U.S. District Judge Carlton Reeves. He, he blocked this law and said it's unconstitutional what my state is doing. So therefore, I will stop it one man in its tracks. Now remember, what did he stop? Protecting this. If that would have been his grandchild. But he stopped it. And thank the Lord that some tough people in Mississippi said what he did is wrong. Therefore, we're going to fight it. And so this abortion clinic... Jackson Women's Health Organization, they filed suit against the state, and the state said, we will file suit against you under Dobbs versus Jackson, and we will appeal to the Supreme Court. We will challenge it. We don't know if we'll win, but we're not going to just take this lying down, and I thank God they challenged it. Let me show you what's at stake. This godly woman gave a testimony recently. Her name is Sandy Wisdom Martin. She's full-time in ministry. She's over the Ohio WMU Mission for Life ministry in Ohio. And she said, let me say this about that ruling. I have 8,499 reasons to celebrate June 24th. She said, because exactly 8,499 days ago, an adoption agency placed a sleeping baby into my arms. And I have thanked the Lord for 8,499 days of profound gratitude because a young, single birth mother chose life. That's what at stake. Now the law that got struck down does not mean that abortion has been outlawed across the nation. It means what's on the map. 
all 50 states have to wrestle with this. Right now, about half the states saying, we will not let abortion happen in our state. But there's going to be a battle right here in Kentucky. As conservative as we are, there will be a battle. It started Friday night. I did not know this till the last service. So liberal states like California, liberal states like New York, they will continue to permit abortions because that's what they do. Conservative states like Texas and Mississippi, they will restrict abortions. Now, let me say this about California. There's a lot of godly Christian people in California suffering because of what their government does there. But they have the most abortion clinics of any state. Kentucky has two. They had 168. The next is New York with 89. The next is Florida with 55. I'll say this about California. They have more abortion clinics than 34 other states combined. Now, the man on the screen is the current governor. I suspect he may be running for president of our land one day. I hope not, but he might. He has declared that he wants the state of California to be a sanctuary for abortion. Everybody come, and we will pay for your abortion. As I said earlier, the conservative states like Mississippi and Texas will restrict abortions. Thank the Lord. I want to say we're not throwing stones at anybody. Lots of women in every church in Lexington have had abortions. We've all, how many have made horrible mistakes? Hold your hand up. We've all made horrible mistakes. We've all made bad choices. We've all gone against what our heart told us not to do, and we did it anyway. There is forgiveness and mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is compassion But we need to talk about the dangers and the truth here. Now in Kentucky, this was as of what I thought was true on Friday, but abortions on Friday morning were illegal in Kentucky. And our Kentucky Attorney General, who is a good man, a man that I like, Daniel Cameron, he is the state's chief law enforcement officer. This is what he said. He said effectively that abortion in Kentucky is, for all intents and purposes, over. At a news conference last week, he said Kentucky's 2019 decision called a trigger law took effect when the Supreme Court ruled on June 24th. This law makes exception for situations where the life of the mother is at risk, but when the case of victims of rape or incest, incest, they want a more compassionate solution. Which means, let's place the child up for adoption. Let's give the child a chance. Now, at the last service, well... There's been two changes since I did this yesterday. The two 
clinics that have given have been giving abortions in Louisville had to stop doing it on Thursday. But a judge a judge has intervened and said they could do them for three weeks until this can be sorted out in the court. We have a lot of prayer to do. Three weeks to make a lot of difference in a lot of little lives. Now, some facts about life. Ultrasounds, which they didn't have in 1973, and sonograms give us a window into the soul, into the womb. And looking into the womb, you can see the humanity there, and you can see the development of the preborn baby at every single stage. Now, look at this. Look at this picture on the screen. This mother is blind and cannot see anything. And they have made a three-dimensional replica of her baby's face. And the nurse just brought that in there. And she's tracing her own baby's face for the very first time. It is a baby. Doctors now, they couldn't do this in 73, but doctors now can do surgeries on babies in utero and save their life or correct problems or improve their life because it is a human life. This is a child around week four and the heart just stopped, start, started beating. And actually, I was told by a nurse, it's actually earlier than week four at the last service. Week six, brain activity, it can be detected. <clears throat> at eight weeks, 90% of the baby's body, including her little beautiful eyes, are formed. Look at that. Twelve weeks. The preborn baby can feel pain. Now, this is a replica of what a 12 week old baby looks like. If you've ever seen a video of what an abortionist does, it is sickening. And a 12 week old baby can feel the instrument, can feel the knife, and you can see them trying to push away and get away from it. Point number five. Abortion is not about liberating women. It is not. It is not freeing them from the control of men. It is not something just because a woman has little choices or few options. It is not liberating. It is enslaving and suffocating. Abortion is not health care. Why, Steve? Because it treats a pregnancy like a virus, like a cancer. Let's cut that out and get rid of it. And move on with my life. We need to destroy this foreign body. Abortion does not free women. 
It allows women to be exploited by industry, by selfish men for money. Abortion, this is very important, pay attention. Abortion goes against the grain of the instinct that God gave a woman naturally for the most natural, the most beautiful, the most unique gift a woman can be given by God. It's against the grain. Why? Because the gift is the ability to bring life into the world. Abortion instead is crippling. It is dehumanizing. Often leaves a permanent scar that unless a woman finds Christ, unless a woman finds forgiveness, it will haunt her for the rest of her life. Because it betrays the wiring that the Holy One gave her. Abby Johnson, who once ran a big Planned Parenthood operation in Texas. She worked in front of the counter. She worked counseling. But one time she was forced to go into the room. And that messed her up. And she said, I can never do this again. This is not what I was told it was. And this is her comment. The recovery room in an abortion clinic is possibly the saddest place on the face of the earth. According to Gallup Poll, you won't hear this much in the media. But 67% of Americans say abortion is not right. Abortion is not good. Abortion should be illegal. Only under the cases of incest or rape or when the mother's life is in danger and a doctor decides to do this to save the mother. 67% of Americans feel that way. Now this is very important. Who is at the bottom of this whole industry? Satan. Is at the bottom of it. What do you mean he's at the bottom of it? He's the author of it. It came out of the bowels of hell. Why, Pastor Steve? Because he cannot hurt God. So he wants to hurt what God loves, which is children. Because they're made in God's image. And if he can destroy a generation that might be raised up as teachers and pastors and evangelists and business owners and housewives and coaches and teachers, if he can destroy them, he eliminates the enemy. Jesus said about him, 
He was a murderer. Everyone say murderer from the very beginning. And we have to see that when we talk and love people. They just don't understand. They've been lied to. They've been deceived. Now here's what the scripture says. The shedding of innocent blood blood is an abomination to the Lord. Let me just say this with me, please, from Psalm. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by the blood of the innocents. You know, our nation should already have been destroyed because of what we've done. We are a wicked nation. And the church has been cold. And the church has not spoken out. We got a reprieve 10 days ago. Because the Father must have decided there's enough intercessors. There's enough people praying. There's enough people loving. There's enough people still sharing the gospel. I'm going to give America one more chance. Our nation has roughly killed 20% of two generations. There's some people in this room that the Holy Spirit's going to get hold of. You could be 22 years of age. You could be 12. You could be 52. And you're going to hear the Spirit of God say, I've created you for this purpose. You can make a difference. You can stand in the gap. You can single-handedly lead my army to save the innocent ones. Now, this is going to get rough this summer, this fall. Maybe the next couple of years. Already abortion activists have named this summer the Summer of Rage. Attacking churches, attacking pro-life pregnancy centers. Now, you know the fact that the court was even considering this was leaked about six weeks earlier. That's when the protest started. And over 40 plus sites have been vandalized prior to the decision on the 24th. So our enemy is not going to lay down. And there's people that are going to raise billions of dollars to fight this. This is even, I want you to know about this. One of our latest Supreme Court justices, Kavanaugh, on June 8th, a taxi cab showed up at his house. And a young man from California got out of the car with a loaded handgun to kill Justice Kavanaugh. Our government was late to protect the justices, but luckily that night there were two federal agents that caught this man. It is a shame that our justices, because they take a stand, have to be protected. Now, this is something cool. I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm out of my head. But there's something in the scripture called the year of Jubilee. Have you ever heard of the year of Jubilee? 
the year of Jubilee, this is a passage from Leviticus, says you shall consecrate the 50th year. You shall proclaim a release to the land and all its inhabitants. It will be a year of freedom, a year of Jubilee for you. 50 years exactly will be January 22nd, 2023. I believe prophetically because of the intercession the Lord has chosen to release grace. Now I want to talk about some heroes. If I cry, it's okay. I cried about half the service at uh, 9 o'clock. I want to tell you about this woman. Nellie Gray. A year after Roe versus Wade came out in 73, she said, we, we, we can't stand for this. We're better people than this. And she organized the very first March for Life in Washington, D.C., and she led the effort all these four and a half decades. And a lot of people from Church of the Savior would go to Washington for the March for Life to say, Lord, we're praying today. Lord, we're worshiping at our Capitol. We're calling down the demonic strongholds. We're talking with members of Congress, asking for mercy, for innocent blood. She died 2012 and didn't see it. And a lot of these people remind me of the book of Hebrews. These mighty servants of the Lord. It's that puzzling passage. It says, and even these walked by faith, but they never saw the result. They were just faithful. And I think that's like us. We, we do the best we can. We get up every day. We try to do the right thing. We try to serve people, but you won't see the result most of the time. And she didn't see it. This man, Dr. John Wilkie, is a brand new Christian. I used to hear him on the radio, a dynamic Catholic doctor. who start, He is actually called the father of the pro-life movement. He started a ministry called Life Issues Institute. They used to have 10-minute radio programs. Do you remember, any of you remember him? An amazing guy. But he said this, I don't think in my lifetime I will see Roe repealed. And he was right. He died seven years prior. But man, do we owe Dr. John Wilkie for his faithfulness. Here's another one. Most of you never heard of this guy, John Scheidler. John was a rough guy. John's called the father of the pro-life activism because he started leading protests, loving protests, but protests at abortion clinics where you pray, you just stand you talk, you try to counsel. He did that for five decades. Let me tell you what else he did. He, was, he would go behind these abortion clinics and climb into the dumpsters and pull out the remains of these little ones. And he would say, they deserve a proper burial. They deserve to be remembered. That's the least I can do for them. And yet, 15 months ago, 18 months ago, he went home to be with the Lord and he never saw this day. You know, some of us that get discouraged sometimes. I tell you on Friday, I got so discouraged doing this message. I was so tired, I had no energy. I was discouraged. I felt like quitting. I thought, I am a fool. 
I just said, Lord, I, I got to do it Saturday morning. Grace showed up. It was a victory, the 24th, for all those millions of volunteers in every state. Some of you have served these pregnancy resource centers. And it's a victory on the 24th for the people that have given millions of dollars to keep the doors open so babies can be saved and women and men can be restored. June 24th was a victory day for all the millions of Christians that have just silently stood and prayed, asking for the Lord to grant mercy. It's a day of victory for them. And let me tell you what, it was a day of victory for all people that have voted for politicians in the city, the state, and the nation who are going to protect life, not destroy life. I hope that's you. I hope that's you. And I got one other group of heroes I want to talk about. Those courageous legislators in Mississippi. They had the courage. I don't even know if they believed it would work. But they had the courage to say, we're better people than this. We cannot let this happen on our watch. And this attorney general, Lynn Finch, said, I will lead this charge and we will sue. We will sue their ever-loving pants off. Someone say amen. Because we're not going to lay down and take it anymore. Praise God for Mississippi. Now let's close with some applications. What do we do now? I think really work has just now started. We're going to have to empower people. We're going to have to organize some people. We're going to have to think differently because the need is going to ramp up. First point I want to make, life, all life comes from God because he's a creator. Therefore, all life is sacred. Number two, there is forgiveness and mercy and healing for all sins. I want to say praise the Lord. When you confess it and grieve, With the Lord, I have messed up. I failed. I made bad choices. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. This is what heaven says. If we confess our sin, he's faithful. Always faithful. Always faithful. And just to forgive us. And not only forgive us, but cleanse us. Cleanse us of the shame. Cleanse us of the guilt. Cleanse us of the damage so we can be a new creation people. And if that's you today, get your forgiveness today. Get your cleansing today, number three. And I'm I'm ashamed to say this, but i got to say it. Statistics say many people that have gone through this horror of abortion have said this on the other side. If I'd have just heard one sermon from my pastor. If my church would have just talked about this. I would have never ended my own baby's life. Point number four. This is very important. We have to always be kind. 
People that disagree with us, people that see things differently, people that are hurt, people that are angry. We got to have peace on the inside. We cannot take it personal with people that have differing views because they're going to be in our family. They're going to be in our neighborhood. They're going to be in our schools. They're going to be at our work. They're going to be messaging us on Facebook. By the way, don't engage on Facebook. Don't do that. It never goes anywhere good. Because basically it looks like this. Pro-abortion activists say it's my body. I got a right to control my body. But people that are pro-life say, no, that is a child. That is a child. We must protect the child. So, if you get into shouting matches, if you insult, if you take offense... If you get engaged in unhealthy dialogue, it's not going to help. Some of you have family members that are already alienated you towards you because of politics, because of values, because of your Christian beliefs. I hear it every day. People say, my own son won't talk to me. People say, my brothers cut me off. People say, my best friend in my neighborhood used to be my friend, but he put up one kind of sign and I put up another kind of sign and now he won't even look at me. We have to tread lightly on these things. I'm not going to argue on these things. Because arguing and anger never changes anybody's heart. It will not change their mind. It's only the grace of God and showing people kindness. Everyone say kindness. The scripture says it is the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. And this is very important. You need to study the Bible for yourself. You need to know what the Bible says about life. You need to put those verses in colors. You need to write those on a card. So when somebody asks you, where do you get that? Well, let me tell you some things. And you share it gracefully and with humility. And number six, speak words of life to people. When you meet people that are in a really tough place because of an unplanned pregnancy. Here's a pastor was telling me this. I made the worst mistake of my entire ministry with my own 16-year-old daughter. She came to me one night and said, Dad, I don't know how to tell you this. But I'm pregnant. And the whole situation's bad. There's nothing good about it. And this pastor said, I hit the roof. And instead of embracing my daughter and giving care to my daughter, I condemned her. And I gave her my anchor. And I broke her heart when she came looking for support. So we have to do the same, even with strangers. You can say, tell me about it. You can say, even congratulations. God has given you a child. Let me help you. What can I do to help you? How can I come alongside you? That's when they need the support of people like us. 
not our anger, not our smugness, not our arrogance. And if any church is going to be a pro-life church, and we're, we're fair, but we got to get better because this is going, this is going to change everything in our city. We got to be a sanctuary for people where they come and they're accepted. We got to be a place where they're welcomed. They're not tolerated. They're loved. They're full fledged members of our family. And we're going to help them get better. And that child's going to be a mighty servant of the living God. Someone say amen. That's what we got to do because we've all messed up. All of us have. Worship team, would you guys come on out? And this is important. This is, this is big. If you say you're pro-life and you vote pro-life, and you even hold up a sign saying, hey, I'm pro-life, it means a lot more than you just talking. It means we value all life. That means we value the handicapped child just as much as we love the child that's got everything going for them. It means we oh, we love the elderly widow that lives across the street, and we know her name, and we're there for her. It means we got to think bigger about the foster care system. And when an adopted family has trouble with a child they've adopted, we can come alongside and be an ally and support to them. Now, as we take the Lord's table today, did you pick up the Lord's table? This is very important today. If you're not walking in obedience to the Lord, get that right first. Even come to the altar and get that right. Then take communion and we'll help you. But let me tell you what this is. This is not a religious thing. This is a sign to the Father that you're all in, completely in. If you'll open the top where the little wafer is, if you hold it in your hand. Lord, today... We thank you that your body was completely destroyed and broken so all of us all of us in this room could find wholeness, forgiveness and go from being messed up to being victorious so we can help other people that are broken. We celebrate what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. Take and eat. likewise over on the other side we celebrate the most precious commodity in the universe the sinless blood of our Savior shed for all of us sinful folk that we could be forgiven and cleansed thank you Jesus for your sacrifice we take it in and celebrate your cleansing. Take and drink. As we do each week, we open the altar.
the altar is open. It's a place to let go. It's a place to confess. It's a place to pray for that wayward daughter. It's a place to say, Lord, I'm in. Use me. Whatever I can do, you tell me what. Use me. So come to the altar as we continue to worship. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Your mercy flows like a river wide And healing comes from your hand Suffering children are safe in your arms is none like you oh there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you I could search for all eternity long. There is none like you. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice all the earth rejoice he rests 
trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age, and age to age. Rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries. Trembles at his voice.
with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Oh, give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Lamb of God that reigns forever and ever. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we honor you. We thank you that you are the victor. We won't flee from the battle. We will step into the battle. Despite our past failures, despite our weaknesses, we trust you. For the sake of the oppressed, the broken, the lost, the lonely, we volunteer. Now for anyone in this room or watching that's never given their heart to Christ, but they need to come back home to the Lord, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean of everyone. Make me your child, because today I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. There's people here that will pray with you. Serve him well. Pick up your children. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope that you were encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. And we hope to see you next week.